Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for Aaron. Come on, Aaron. I remember praying for Aaron when he was about this tall. He looked the same then. He's a little taller now. Just felt the anointing and the call of God on his life, you know. Just living holy. We have some teenagers and young people that are just living holy. Save yourself. Save yourself for the purpose that God has for you. Save yourself for the spouse that's coming. Don't let your flesh have its way and disrupt the glorious plans of the Lord. Amen. I'm going to just do something now. Didn't plan on doing this. Everybody gets scared when I do that. I want every man to stand up. Every man. This is a word for us. This is a word for us. There's always going to be some resistance. There's always, you know, men have so many hang-ups. There's just always things pulling on us. Complications, secret sins, insecurities, inadequacies, lack of identity, if we'd all be truthful with ourselves. But I I have a word for us today. Your sin is not your problem. Your insecurity is not your problem. Your lack of identity is not your problem. We need to be prayers. We need to pray. The Bible says, if my people, if my men humble themselves, seek my face and pray, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and begin to heal, forgive, release, make whole, make complete, fully restore. So it's not your little problems in your life, men need to seek the Lord. We're all called to provide, but you get a provision in prayer. You can begin to see beyond your today. You can begin to lead your family better. It's not about just bringing home the bacon. It's about seeing what God is doing and what he wants you to do. And God wants to put his purpose inside of you. God wants you to be a promoter of your family and all of those around you. But without seeking the Lord, without humbling yourself, without praying and coming to the Lord, you'll always be stuck. Not usable in the hands of the Lord. You won't be the promoter of your family that you need to be. You won't be the encourager of your family that you really need to be. Come on, somebody. All these things we want to be, all these things that we know we should be, it's all in the face of the Father. Humble yourself. Seek his face. Your problem is, our problems are, we're not humbling ourselves. We're not seeking his face. We won't turn from anything in the flesh until we see him, until we hear his voice.
Come on, someone. It's not hard. You need a prayer altar in your house. You need to be grabbing your spouse's hand every day. There should be a set time, a set place that you pray. You're seeking the Lord. Your children need to see parents doing that. Men, you're the priest of your household. Don't wait on your wife. Take the lead. He's anointed you. He's called you to lead your household. He's called you to be leaders in our community, in our cities. He's called you and destined you to do great things for him. And it all starts at the prayer altar in your house. Just set it up. It's not about lighting candles. It's not about having a crucifix or having everything just right. It's about you sitting before the Father in the name of Jesus via the Holy Spirit and allow him to begin to speak to you. You'll be a better man. That's where it all comes from. That's where the download is. That's where the wisdom comes from. That's where the power comes from. That's what makes you resilient when the world hits you and the systems that are set against you try to take you down and pull you down and discourage you. You need a place of prayer. It's a calm place. You won't find it in this world. You're not going to find it in money. You're not going to find it in success. You need to find it in the Father's face. This is for us, guys. This is what grows a powerful, powerful church. When men become strong and begin to hear the voice of the Lord in the cool of the day. And they become restful. They become very gentle. They become peaceful. They become promoters of their family. They become encouragers. They just begin to flow in the spirit of God. And everybody's better off for it. There's no strife. There's no confusion. Everybody begins to be in one accord. It goes beyond being united. All of a sudden, you're in union with your family. You know, you can be united with your family on, in plenty areas, in plenty of realms. But we don't need to be united. We need to be in union. We can be united in a lot of ways in this church as human beings, as Christians, but we need to be in union. We're so much alike. We're called to the same purposes in the kingdom of God. Lift up your hands right where you are. I'm praying for importation. I thank you, Lord, for the men of God in this church, the Timothys in this church, the Pauls in this church. I thank you, Lord. They'll seek you till they'll find you. They'll draw near to you and you'll draw near to them. You'll be a very present help in the time of all of their trouble and things that they are faced with, Lord. Lord, I thank you. Raise up these men that they would be providers, prayer warriors, promoters of righteousness wherever they go. Prove providers that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. I thank you, Lord, that their allegiance will be to you first. Their loyalty and concerns and heart will be to you, Lord. And I thank you that they sow their lives into seeing who you are, Father. You'll reap a harvest on this earth. Thank you, Lord. Lord, gather your men together. I thank you that the men in this church, no one would be alone. No one would 
would stay alone. I thank you that the men in this church would begin to uh, mingle and merge and unite friendships, a loyalty to one another, a faithfulness to the body of Christ would begin to emerge in this church. I thank you, Lord, that men in this church would be protectors of their family, protectors of the righteousness of God, protectors of the anointing, protectors of the body of Christ. Every man in this church, Lord, don't care how they see themselves right now. I thank you for this importation to light a fire inside their hearts that they would never, ever be the same. They'd love their wives like Christ loves the church. I thank you for their gentleness to be known by their families and their gentleness will be known by all in this community. Come on, raise your hands high if you want this. Come on, you're called to be like Jesus. Men, you're called to be like Jesus. You're called to have a sound mind. You are called to be decisive. You are called to know the will and the ways of the Lord. You are called to implement the words that he speaks into your life. You are called to disciple. You are called to father. You are called to mentor. You are a call to build the kingdom of God. Lord, I commit these men to you. I commit their ways to you. And I thank you that their strength will come from you. Their abilities will come from you. And people around in this region will see it and be amazed. They will become a wondrous work in this area. Not looking for anything but to please the Father. Not looking to be pleased but to please the Father. Thank you that every man in this house will learn in the next month how to lose their life. How to completely lose their life in this world so they can pick up and find the true life that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, I'm, I just, give me a little hand raise. And this is not about me. It's about the Spirit of God. Don't you feel encouraged, guys? The Lord's not out to beat you up. You understand? He don't want you to feel like a failure. He don't want you to feel like second string. You're the apple of his eye. Matter of fact, you all he has. We're it. <laughs> We're the priest in the kingdom of God. Priests and kings. I never did like the teaching about, you know, you a priest, I'm a king. Why, why don't we just be both? I mean, be the giver, be the promoter, be the protector, be the one that walks holy, and be the one that just knows how to handle the finances in the kingdom of God and being a good steward for the Lord. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you guys, you seek the Lord, your wife will transform in front of you. You seek the Lord, your, your children won't stay crazy. Glory. <laughs> You understand? Guys, come on, man. Let's take our place. I'm only challenging you because I was challenged this years ago. 
I mean, I had pastors come to me like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what's wrong with me? You want a list? <laughs> but they didn't leave it there. They started to speak into my life. You understand? They started to speak into my life and show me the word of God and, and my place and my position and my authority in my household and in my call. Man! It's a good plug for the ladies, huh? Yes. Good plug for the children. Yes. You know, our children will emulate our behavior. I don't care what you do. If it's all godly, they'll emulate it. If it's all ungodly, they'll emulate it. If it's like half and half, they'll emulate it. Now, are you speaking negative? No, I'm not speaking negative. You understand? We need to be examples, imitated of Christ. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Let me tell you something, guys. You ain't going to make it by yourself. The Lord showed me this. That if you think, guys, you can make it by yourself, God will never use you because you won't think he can use you. Because you don't think he can use anybody else to help you. I think y'all all missed that. If you don't think you need anybody, then you understand. In the back of your mind, you'll never think that God can really use you in a big way. Because he can't use anybody else to help you. Six people got that. In the beginning, Jesus had 12 disciples. It hadn't changed. He said, follow me and I'll make you. Jesus left. He sent his Holy Spirit. He's living in people now. And those people should still be saying, follow me. I'll make you. Now, it's Christ in us saying that. But Christ is still doing what he's always done. And so the Lord wants to build people, but he's going to use people. And so the best, we call it the Oreo around here. You're the cream. You should have somebody feeding into your life, but you should also have someone you're giving life to. Amen. It becomes a river, and it's a constant flow. And if you're thinking, as a man, I can't do that. That's for Kevin Ray. That's for the past. That's not true. We were just talking about the anointing. There's only one anointing. That's it. It's the Holy Ghost. You know, people just, I don't know how they describe all of these anointing, but we have an anointing. It's the Holy One within us. It's the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, you understand, is the same Holy Spirit that you have, that you have, that you have, that you have, that you have. I have an anointing to do what I'm doing right now. You have an anointing to play the guitar. You have an anointing to run a business. And you understand, just like I prepare a message, I want you to come up here and give me a, a 10 point exhortation on uh, end times. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> he would have to prepare. Um, he could do it. He'd have to prepare. And so whatever I do, I'm prepared. I'm in, I'm in the face of the Lord. I'm praying. I'm seeking the Lord. Lord, what you want to do through me? Well, if you've got a job, you're a realtor, should be preparing the same way. Should be in the face of the Lord. Should have the word of God running in you. I mean, before service, I'm like, I'm getting fire, I'm getting ready, man. And so whatever you call to do at this moment, you need to be 
getting prepared the same way. Work at a seafood place, you better get prepared. You work for people that are hard, you're working for the world. You understand, you need to be prepared. And God will anoint what you give him. You understand? He will anoint what you give him. He will anoint what you prepare in his spirit. Y'all got that? So we're all equal. Different positions, different places. But the anointing is the anointing. Either you got it or you don't. And the Lord is looking for something in your life to anoint. Whatever you put your hands to, if the Lord's called you to do it, he'll anoint it. Say yes. I'm scared. Still say yes. Just get in gear, man. You know, it's a lot easier to steer a car that's moving. <laughs> and a car really moves good downhill. There's, you know, there's no resistance. It's just downhill. It's, a, it's working with a law. And so I'm telling you, when I'm working with the Lord, it's just like easy. You understand, when I'm in the Spirit yes. and I'm talking by the Spirit, it's just a flow and it's just Amen. easy. Amen. My job's so hard. Get in the Spirit. Amen. Well, they come against me. Get in the Spirit. Listen, you ain't been through hell till you had a church. <laughs> I'm happy. It, it hadn't scarred me. I'm not mad. I'm not offended. I'm happy. I like a good fight. Most of you guys, you know what you like to be told? You can't do it. And I'm telling you, you can't do it, what I'm telling you. You can't do it without the Lord. You'll burn out, wear yourself out, look stupid. I'm just challenging the guys. I love to see men take their place. Man, I had a good message too. I love to see men take their place. I love to see men take their place. You know why? The women begin to flower. Yes. They, be <laughs> they, they just begin to flourish. <clears throat> you, you know, you know, you know, you know, Sometimes we have a lot of trouble with women in church. Um, let me just be honest. We, we really do. Because they're trying their best to lead the family. And they were not made to do it. And then we, you know, we start to look at them wrong. That's Jezebel. That's Jezebel right there. No, she's trying to survive. Because she got a lily-livered, lily-livered, spineless man that won't commit to God in any kind of way. And so now she can never be what God has called her to be because she's yoked up to somebody that's half-hearted and lukewarm. And as it's, it's soon as the man would just humble himself, seek the Lord, begin to pray, then you'll know what to turn away from. Then you'll begin to see the anointing and the power of God come to you and help you, transform you. You'll become so fluid. You'll quit trying to measure yourself with everybody else. Listen, you can't do what I do because I'm called to do it. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? You called to do what God has called you to do. And maybe it's in association with me. Maybe it's similar to me, but you're not me. I learned a long time ago, I was trying to be my pastor and I found out it was already taken. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just need to be yourself in Christ. It's such a glorious trip. And you know, being that, many will say you're weird, you're crazy, never saw anybody like you. Some will not like you, but God loves you. Amen. Being you in him Amen. and just flowing in his spirit to get done everything he wants to please him. Amen. Well, that was about a half an hour prophetic word to you. I don't think your, your ears heard everything, but I pray it was deposited in your heart and that you would begin to walk in it. And believe me, if you need any more proddings, your wife will talk to you about what I said to you. <laughs> you heard what Pastor said? Listen, don't, ladies, don't use me against your husband. You use the word in love. Y'all got to sit so close. You'd like to rip his arm off right <laughs> You know, when you didn't always love each other and then the Lord gets in the middle of it, it's like a new day. It's like a new girlfriend, a new boyfriend, a new relationship. the best representation of Jesus Christ in the body of Christ, us, is marriages. I mean, we just loving our spouse as Christ loved us, unconditional, with gentleness, compassion. Oh my God. Some of you single people are like, oh Lord, send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> just wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord, and be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. You will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living if you don't faint. Don't faint. Don't get in the flesh. Don't push the string. Don't, don't try it yourself. Just wait on the Lord. Turn to Matthew 26, verse 31. <clears throat> we have a great thing going here. It, it, we really have a great, great thing going here. I'm in the uh, NLT. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. <laughs> On the way, Jesus told them, tonight all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even that you even know me. Peter said, no, no, no way. It's not possible. Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, 
I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. They all said amen to what Peter was saying. Lord, we're with you. We're following you no matter what circumstances, fire, water, we're going to follow you. Skip down to verse 69. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came over and said to him, you were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. And Peter denied it in front of everyone. I mean, denying Jesus, the one he walked with in front of everybody, publicly. He said, I don't know you. I don't know what you're talking about. That's heavy. Three and a half years, walk, talk, fellowship, ate, watched the miracles, the signs, the wonders. How can you deny Jesus? Well, he just got arrested. He's being beaten. He has a death sentence on his life. He's going to be crucified. And they're not stupid. They're kind of putting it all together. They're putting Peter with Jesus. The world is seeing Peter with Jesus. This is a good thing. The flesh don't like it. You know, people are watching who you with. They'll have an effect on your life. But what Jesus said he wouldn't do, he's doing it right now. This is number one. <clears throat> he denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about. That's two lies. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man. You see how far the flesh can go? You compromise your walk with Jesus, you'll lose it. You try to keep yourself and keep your life and exclude Jesus, you'll lose it. It's an example. This, and I'm telling you, in a way, I mean, listen to what this man, again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man. He said, a little later, some other, some of the other bystanders, the whole world watching, came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galatian accent. Galilean. So in other words, people have, they saw his relationship to Jesus. They saw his ways and his actions. And they listened to what he said, his speech and his talk. Peter swore. Listen how far the flesh can go. A curse come on me if I'm lying. 
May AIDS come on me. Some incurable disease come on me. Probably if he had a Bible at that time, he'd have made an oath. I'm telling the truth. I don't know the man. And immediately, the rooster crowed. Suddenly, the rooster crowed. He was totally in the flesh. He was totally consumed with self-preservation. He was totally consumed with the life he's trying to hold on to until the rooster crowed. And when the rooster crowed, the Bible said there was a suddenly. Jesus' words flashed through his mind. I'd like to buy us all a rooster, a, a personal accountability. <laughs> you know what I mean? It would, it would sound like this. Thank God we don't need a rooster. We got the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost ain't a bird. Don't go there. Don't even go there. But I don't know about you, but the Holy Spirit convicts me of every wrongdoing, I'm, everything I'm doing in my life. It, it, he's like the rooster. I mean, as soon as you go in the wrong, you, you feel it. But not only does the Holy Spirit uh, convict us, fully persuade us, convince us, teach us, but he leads us. And so it's not about an animal, it's not about a bird, it's about the greater one that lives on the si inside of us in a mighty, mighty way, working mightily in us to get the plan of the Father. And listen to this. This is a sad, sad story. Now, you understand, Peter did not live in the dispensation that we're living in now. He couldn't actually see the cross coming and uh, see the power of the resurrection and see Jesus resurrected. Totally missed it. Had he had that revelation, I think it came and left. <laughs> I don't, you know how we get he still loves Jesus, but he's denying the one that he loves. Boy, is that common in uh, the church body of Christ. I was, I was telling somebody, I think it was Mike, y'all look around and see how angelic everybody looks here. I mean, look at the halos. I mean, it's just, we good looking people. I mean, the power of God, the anointing of God is all on us. But I'm telling you, when something begins to attack, attack us, Physically, emotionally, our finances, our children, we just become these beasts of the flesh. And all of a sudden, we start to deny Jesus until a friend or the Holy Spirit just convicts us. And when he does, we need to repent, maybe apologize, maybe tell some people, oh, we're sorry. But suddenly, Jesus' words flash through Peter's mind. That's my prayer for this church. As you walk with him, as you fulfill the desires of the Father through the blood and the work of the cross via the Holy Spirit, that the words of God would always be in your mind like a light, truth, that you, you, you won't bring reproach on the name of Jesus, your own family, your business, 
you, the body of Christ, your friends, that you would go with the convictions of the Lord. I know it's, I know it's not easy. I'm not saying it's, it's easy, but you have to go. You have to crucify your flesh. You have to do the right thing when everybody else is doing wrong. You have to do the right thing when it don't look right. And it's not right. You have to do the right thing when it's even to do wrong is legal. You have to do the right thing. And you can. The grace of God is there with you. But it says, you will deny three times that you even know me. Boy, that Jesus knows our heart, huh? But he had to show Peter his heart. That's what's good about the Holy Ghost. He shows us our heart. And sometimes our heart is so wicked, deceitful, desperate to save this flesh. Man, I'm telling you, all week long I've been thinking about the Hebrew boys. I can't, they, I just can't. That, they preach the gospel, Hey, King, where are we? If the Lord saves us, fine. But if he don't, King, where are we? You got a discernment today. You're not going to bow to everything that the flesh has offered. You're just not going to bow. Just decide you're not going to bow. When that temptation comes, the Bible says God's faithful. That's where God faithful is said when temptation comes. God, be, be faithful. I need money. Well, he will. God, be faithful. Save my children. He will. But it says God is faithful when the temptation comes. So as soon as the temptation comes, the Spirit is there. That's right. Willing, able to lead you in a place of escape. Right. So there's always a righteous way out. Amen. Is it hard? Might throw you in the fire. But if he don't save you from the fire, he'll save you through the fire. Amen. And then when you come out because you please the Father, then you'll get a promotion. People wonder why they don't get promoted in the kingdom of God. Because they're always whining and complaining in the hard places rather than seeking the Lord where he's going to give you strength and power and joy and peace. Amen. And then you'll just come out on the other side. Come on, we're in this with Jesus. Man, and listen, if it was just me and you, <laughs> I'm probably going to walk away. But it's not just you and I. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. He's in you and he's in me. So anyway, this is, and, and the Bible says he went away weeping bitterly. You know, we had four chickens and a rooster, five chickens and a rooster. Something came, got one chicken. I mean, it wasn't nothing but feathers and bones. Sucked all the blood out of the chicken, ate all the meat off the bones of the chicken, and all I have is feathers and bones. Not long after that, there's another dead chicken. Not long after that, there's another dead chicken. You feel hopeless. You, how, how am I going to catch this night creature? What am I going to do? The fence is this tall. My mama says, well, put the fence at a slant so if it's a fox, he won't walk on it. Well, I, that's, that's good, but I don't know if it's a fox or a coyote or a weasel or a hawk. I don't know what it is. 
So I'm just left to just hoping it won't come back. Not long after that, here comes another, another dead chicken. Not long after that, the rooster's dead. And there's one hen left without any protection. I was gone. My mama was here. And she knew that chicken didn't have a chance. There's, I'm telling you, that rooster we had, I was scared of it. Susan would not go in there. You'd go in there, that chicken would jump up, start flapping, and he'd try to throw those tin, those, those spurs in your back or in your, he's coming. So he did the best he could to fight off whatever it was. But in the fight, he got taken out. So there's one hen left, and everybody knows what's going to happen. There's no defense. There's no fence. There's no protection. And next thing you know, what we thought was going to happen, it happened. So now we're chickenless. Now we have no roost. And I, I mean, you feel, you know, somebody might pull a chicken. Well, the people are the same way. They don't have no Holy Ghost, they're defenseless. They don't have a body of Christ. All they have is a bunch of chicken people around them that can't help them. And so everybody's vulnerable outside of Christ. Do you see it like that? Everybody is vulnerable. Every Christian alone, in isolation. You know, when I go through the garden and pick fruit, I pick the ripe on the outside. It don't matter what it is, a grape or orange or whatever. I don't go way within. I just get the thing on the outside. That's what the enemy does. You're all by yourself hanging out. And the enemy is just going to pluck you off. This is a positive message, but you can't do this alone. This is the, this is the work of the enemy. He will never and has never stopped the message. He can only stop the message. That's what we're up against. He knows he cannot stop the message, so he's got to stop the messenger. That's his attack. This is a real holy moment right now. I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Most of you preachers, you disguise it real good. There's no silent Christians. No undercover Christians. We all need to speak. We all need to talk. We all need to exemplify Jesus. And my short time with you this morning is to encourage you. There's no other resisting force on the planet to stop darkness. We're it. 
A king won't do it. The government's not going to do it. We are the only restraining force on the planet. I'm talking about you and I as a local church and the church at large. God doesn't have a plan to, a plan B. We are it. You understand that? Well, yes, Christ in us, the Holy Ghost in us. You know, when I was thinking about this message, you know, when we got in World War One, World War Two, we were sitting back and there were tyrants on this planet. Either we were going to be speaking Japanese one day, Russian one day, Italian one day, or German, because there were four tyrants on this world, in, on this earth. And maybe some of them were working together, but in the long run, they were going to turn on each other because one of them wanted to take the whole planet. And because the United States got involved, because we had a lot at stake, that's why we got in, involved, because we, we had a lot at stake. And when we did, the destiny of the whole planet was changed because men and women of this country gave their all. And people growing up today don't even, young people, they don't even know the history. They don't even know why men and women fought that we could be free in preaching the gospel like we can preach it right now. There's no other planet on the earth that has, no other state or country on the earth that has as many Christian rights as we do at this point. And so we need to use them. You know, in most countries, if, if you haven't been threatened to be killed, you're not, a, you're not a Christian. If you're in a country and you're a Christian and you don't have the right to exist, if you hadn't been threatened to be killed, you're really not a Christian. <laughs> you understand? Because the message needs to be preached. But he will always come against the messengers. That's why you feel uncomfortable sharing the word. Listen, we can share the word amongst each other. I mean, I'm telling you, you can bring the most judgmental, the greatest critiques in the church, in the world, in this place. It doesn't even bother me. It, it really doesn't. Probably wouldn't bother you. But it's something about when we preach the gospel outside of this church, something gets on us. But the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. He did not give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of power and a sound mind. You know, we think the sound mind is to be prosperous. The sound mind is to have big business. No, the sound mind is to keep the gospel in your heart and use it. It's first and foremost. It, it's what changes everything is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anyway, when all of our military people hit the Normandy coast, our military had already strategized about how many people would be killed. And many of those men knew that their bodies were only to consume bullets so those after them could come. And maybe their bodies would just take a bunch of bullets. So their bodies became just a place to receive ammunition until the enemy just ran out. Many of them knew that. And they were willing to give their lives for the freedom that we have today. Oh my God. Every time I see a military man, 
It's like, I, I don't know. I just don't know. Some 70 million people were killed in the two world wars. People died so we could have what we have today. <clears throat> you know, if I found just looking through history, <clears throat> we think we're getting victories in everything we do. I, I know marriages that all of a sudden there's some type of unity in the marriage. They were about to have divorce. And then all of a sudden they kind of back together. And then we all say, well, praise God. But the marriage never comes to the place that God wants it to be. You know, we left England to come here to worship the Lord. But yet when the country started, there's still a lot of things wrong. Slavery's still going on. So we got the victory. But if we'd asked God, did we get the victory? He would say no. We think we got the victory. You know, we think we got somebody in office now, so we got the victory. But in God's eyes, you ain't got the victory. I'm just giving you more freedom, but you're not using it. You understand? Whenever we get a little step forward, we think it's a victory thing. But if we would ask God, it's really not. His plans were higher than that. His expectation, well, we get saved. Well, that's a victory right there. No, some people never grow. But we call it a victory. There's more. And so if we don't consult with the Lord about the, the finished work or the victory, we're always falling short of what he really paid for in our lives. Did that make sense? Did it really make sense? You know, I'm, I, well, I'm married now. Well, thank you, Jesus. But it's not going well. <laughs> well, it's not a victory. It's a victory. You've got, you know, you gain some ground, but we want what God wants. And if we don't meet with him, we don't know the standard he's even offering us. We don't even know the benefits and the privileges that are set before us. So we have to seek him. Jesus didn't hang on a cross in a church. Jesus didn't hang on a cross in a closet. Jesus hung on a cross on a hill that all the world could see. People say religion is private. Yes, please keep your religion private. But Christianity is public. You understand? Please keep your Christianity, I mean your, your religion, please keep it to yourself, keep it private, don't put it here. But Christianity is public. Christianity is public. Christianity is public. It's always been public and it needs to always be public. So don't privatize your beliefs. Listen, I'm to the point I'm 65, they just look at me as I'm insane. And listen, if you come to this, look, a lot of people won't step out because they're afraid they're not going to be accepted. We've been talking about evangelism for the last month. This is what this whole message is about. A lot of people, uh, you know, afraid to step out and share their beliefs or preach the gospels or step in with an answer when people are dying. And it, it has a lot to do with just fear. And, I'm, I'm, you know, we go on these outreaches, and Kevin does those so good. Mike's about to do one. And this is the cool thing. When we meet after, it's the coolest part of the whole thing. 
because when we meet after, we talk about what happened. And we hear all the good things and how receptive people were, but then you got a lot of people that just don't accept you. Now, some people cuss you. Some people don't want nothing to do with you. Some people will say, go away. Some people will totally reject you. But when we meet after the meeting, we all start talking about, we usually hone in on those that rejected us. And we laugh about it. We hurt for them. But it's like, really? Listen, this Christian thing ain't Facebook. You know why people are on Facebook? They like likes. Like. I like it. I like you. I like what you posted. I like what you said. I like, 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 like. That's the only reason people are on Facebook. It helps, it helps them with themselves. I like, 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 Dislike, dislike, no likes. You can't like Facebook. Dislike, 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 dislike. My dog died. Dislike. I'm sick. Dislike. I'm a great person. Dislike, you're not. Dislike, dislike. You understand, this is Christianity. And everybody, every Christian wants just this lubby-dubby peace, peace, calm space. It ain't going to happen. You might as well go back in the world. It's not going to happen. You're going to be disliked. Come on, Pastor. I was bullied in high school. <laughs> and then the people rejected me and they talked about me. And I, just, I just don't want to go through that again, Pastor. I love Jesus, but Pastor, please, please, get a sound mind. Get a sound mind. Jesus died for you. Jesus forgave you. Let it go. We should be fearless. We should just be fearless. I mean, I, I hear a lot of people talk about Witnessing, it's not hard for me. I'm dead. It's not I have to, I want to. It's not about, oh, that person's hard. No, that person needs Jesus. They may not never know him unless I do my part. That's how I look at it. I'm not, just not afraid. I have to, we have to do an outreach. We got to knock on doors. Really? Oh, really? He died for each and every one of us, suffered a brutal killing. And then we just afraid? Come on, somebody. I'm not beating up anybody, but Jesus did so much for us, at least we could tell everybody what he did for us. And then get rewards for doing it. Pastor, don't rock the boat. Sorry. Tone it down. Sorry. Listen, I'm to the point now. It, it just... It just... Anything goes. You know, we've gotten seeker sensitive in the church. Listen to me. So now we're seeker sensitive in the culture. 
We worried about politically being correct. We worried about the culture. And so we water down the gospel. We don't preach the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's not your gospel, it's his gospel. It's not how they see you. They need to hear the message. Well, what if they don't like me? It ain't about you. What if they reject me? It's not about you. What if I mess up? It's not about you. We're just messengers. We're just vessels just to preach and to pray and to prophesy. Come on, somebody. I'm going to read first, Second Timothy 1, 3. I always remember you in my prayers day and night. This is Paul. And in these prayers, I thank God for you. He is my God. He is the God of my ancestors. My ancestors served. And I've always served him with a clear conscience. Wow. Serving God with a clear conscience. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about doing what he tells you to do, being obedient. You know, we need to be obedient in what he's given us. Just obedient. Everybody raise your hand and say you love me. This is not a beat up. This, this is military talk. You understand, the Bible says when a man or someone engages in warfare... He does not entangle himself in the affairs of this life, but now he's enlisted to do his job as a good soldier and endure to please the one that accepted his enlistment. That's right. It's not about us. We're in, this is a war. This is a war for men and women's souls. Somebody went after you. They did good. I want very much to see you so that I can be filled with joy. He's talking to Timothy, Paul. I remember your true faith. That kind of faith belonged to your grandmother, Lois, and to your mother, Eunice. Just a little throw in right here. This is where the prophetic word came when I got this morning, when, when I started speaking this morning. Because Paul is talking to Timothy, his disciple, a young pastor, and he said, I saw faith in your mama. And your grandmama, where's the, where's the men? Where's the, where's the men? Where's the, where's, what's up with this? What, what, you mean Timothy? He won't make it without a man. Paul said you have plenty of teachers, but you don't have many fathers. So basically he was telling Timothy, I'm your dad, dude. I got you. I can't wait to see you. You are my joy. You are my son. I'm so thankful. I pray for you all the time. Amen. Guys, I'm doing that for you. Amen. I love you. I thank God for you. I always look forward in meeting with you. The call that's on your life, the steps that you've taken, the things you've left. Listen, Christianity is public. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not easy to the flesh. But if we're dead and crucified, we'll live in faith in the Son of God. And the Father will do everything he wants to do through us. I, I'm, I'm still living from my rocking chair. I'm 95 years old. Every major decision I make, I put myself at 95 in a rocking chair. Is this going to hurt people? Is this going to hurt the kingdom of God? Is this going to hurt my disciples? Is this going to hurt my church? I'm always, I'm always gauging and looking at everything 
from, from the big picture. It's not about me. You know, people live for themselves only. It's not about us. What's best for the bride of Christ? It's not about we have to give, we want to give. Amen. It's, not, it's not like, well, I could do that. Well, of course you could do it, but it might not be helpful or expedient for somebody else. That's true Christianity. And don't bow. Tell your neighbor, don't bow. Don't bow. Shadrach, Meshach, and away we go. <laughs> Isn't that something? Now I want you to use the gift. I, now I want you to use the gift and let it grow more and more like a small flame grows into a fire. The Spirit of God gave us, the Spirit God gave us did not make us afraid. So which spirit are you in when you're afraid? You're not in the Spirit of God. It's just it's cut and dry. It's the spirit of fear. And fear will run from the purposes of God where the Spirit in you will have you go to the purposes of God. His spirit is a source of power and love and self-control. The spirit is the source of power. John will baptize in water unto repentance. Jesus will come behind him, baptize us in the Holy Spirit, the source of power. And then the substance of the power comes out of us. That's the fire. I got one amen on that. The substance. <laughs> <laughs> that comes out of you out the fire you know I was with somebody in the truck yesterday and I just, you know, I just decided you know I'm not playing church I'm not playing gospel I'm not playing religion I said dude you got the fire of God I said you need a fire of God you need a fire you need the Holy Ghost you need it all I had a man tell me not long ago the, the reason I hadn't just went all in for Jesus is I'm afraid I'm a relapse. I'm like, dude, the reason you relapse is because you never went all in. I guarantee you, if you go all in for Christ, you won't relapse. You, know, you see how we talk? It is almost like crazy. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. When you compromise the gospel, you lose ground. When you compromise your momentum, your, your zeal, your fire. And, and you know it's, it's predetermined when we compromise. Don't compromise. When you compromise, you're trying to save something that needs to be lost. When you compromise and you're trying to save your flesh. And if you don't lose your life, you'll never find the abundant life that the Lord has for you. Don't, don't bow. Your born-again obligation as a spirit-filled believer, speak out. Listen, I'm to the point now, I don't even hide tongues. Most people know. You know, they don't understand. I'm the unbeliever. Shaka. Break it up. I'm like, question me. What is that? It's a heavenly language. Where did it come from? Heaven. I'm just not ashamed. I'm tired of all of this seeker-sensitive culture stuff. Preach the gospel. I am blood-bought, blood-washed. I cast out demons. I lay hands on the sick. And you need to let everybody know around you your commitment to the Lord. 
All of this lily-livered backup crawfish. How many of y'all, how many of y'all dislike politicians that will come up, stand before thousands of people and just make promise after promise after promise and after promise and after promise and then don't do none of it. Don't you hate that? You know what Christians do? They come in church and they make promise after promise after promise and the way you, the reason you hate those politicians, same reason I hate them because we got some of it in us. How about Leslie's a traveling salesman, okay? So what he does when he leaves out of town, he takes off his wedding ring. But when he's at home, he wears his wedding ring. But when he leaves out of town, he takes it off because you understand we all got to live. Isn't that so wrong? This is what the church does. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Angelic in church. Halos in church. Hallelujah. But Lord, you know we're all human. So when we walk out the door, we take off our wedding ring. And we give ourselves to that world. I'm not saying we all do that, but I'm just trying to shake us in a place that we do not bow, we do not compromise for anything. Satan has asked for you just like he's asked for Peter. Don't give, don't, man, don't leave any place for the devil. If you do, he takes his place. You know, people need to be talking about us behind our backs. They are. Listen, they may not know you. They know me. They know what I'm committed to. They know what I do. They know all about me. I don't know if they know you, but they know me. I made it a point since I got saved. I told everybody, I'm serving Jesus. Used to stand out at the corner, just hand out track. Jesus loves you. By myself, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. I, and listen, please tag my God with Jesus. Don't talk about this distant God. Everybody talks about that. The man upstairs, really? Tell him who the man upstairs is. Tag the Lord. Uh, Aaron said it. Jesus is God. Come on. Jesus is Lord. Man, let's just, come on. What do we have to lose? I'm telling you, the enemy wants to just attack the messenger. He can't stop the message. I'm like, enemy, take your best shot. I ain't bowing. Light the furnace up. I'm not bowing. I don't care what the attack is. I don't care. People need to be talking about you. They talking about me. So if you come in here, you might as well get crazy because they already think you're crazy because you're connecting with me. You're connecting with my leadership. We've had people come to church and park in the back because the people pass by and see their car, they just wreck them. They just ridicule. They already know you're crazy. If you come here, they already talking about you. 
Don't rock the boat, Pastor. We're going to rock the boat. <laughs> don't, don't tone it down. No, we're not toning it down. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to live the gospel. Come on, somebody. God's looking for radical, 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 radical people. You don't need to be silent. Man, as soon as the problem comes up, bring the solution. Listen, I, I'm not going to congratulate anybody on Facebook. Don't get off. I mean, keep blitzing the place with Jesus and every site. But listen, come on, man. Let's get in front of people. I mean, anybody can stand behind, you know, 400 miles and a fake picture and a fake bio. I mean, yeah, it's all made up. You accusing me of not posting everything? Probably. Come on, let's just be, why don't we just be real? You need to be born again. You need to be born again. You need to be born again. All your children need to know that. All your family needs to know that. People need to know who you're committed to. They know I'm crazy. They know I'm radical. But they know I love Jesus. They ain't figured Jesus out. You understand? They have not figured Jesus out, but they know I love Jesus. Amen. I'm telling you, Baton Rouge area, you better get ready. There's so much seed this church has planted. There's going to be people driving 60 miles to get here. Amen. Amen. <laughs> they haven't been coming by the thousands. <laughs> That's how discouraging ministry is sometimes. They stand away by the thousands. <laughs> bold, bold, bold. Where did the boldness come from? The fire. It's the Holy Ghost letting him have his way in you. And then the substance of the source is fire. Fire is just... It's, it's something in your eyes. It's something in your words. It's all right. It's all faith. It's all God will. I mean, you get to the point, you just guarantee, just let me, just let me lay, lay, me, let me lay my hands on you. I promise you. I tell people that. Let me pray for you. You get healed. I'm just doing what Jesus told me to do. He said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So I'm just saying, let me lay hands on you because his hands are in my hand. I'm just a glove. We gotta, we gotta loose him and let him go. Amen. Jesus was confined to 200 miles in his ministry. And today, you know, if we're not careful, we'll confine him down to just two square feet. Jesus just saying, let me out. By my spirit, let me out. Let yes. me out the closet. Yes. Let me out the church. Yes. Let me get in you to get in this culture. Amen. Nothing will stop me. I'm not, he's not afraid. He died. Amen. He took the beating. He took the mocking. He took the scourging. He took the rejection. He was buried. He's resurrected. And he's making intercession yes. for us right now. Amen. And so he believes in us because he's in us. Yes. He wouldn't get in us if he didn't believe in us. <laughs> you understand? Jesus Amen. believes in the vessel that he's living in. He just wants to feel at home. 
He wants your living room, dining room, back room, shed, shack, kitchen. He wants to get in every chamber of your life. They lock Peter, Paul, and not Peter, Paul. Peter, Paul, and Mary? No. <laughs> with Peter and John. Locked them up in prison. They said, don't preach it. Don't preach that name no more. See, they don't want us to use that name. You can talk about God all you want, but they don't want us to use that name. Start using the name Jesus. Don't use it just when you hit your finger with the hammer. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'm telling you, let's just go for it. Come on, let's just walk on water. Jesus is saying, come, be like me. Come do, he said, if you believe in me, the works that I did, you'll do also, and greater works than these you will do. Come on, let's just go. Let's just, we got one life to live. Listen, let's just be the crazy radical, full of faith, Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, devil-chasing, Bible-preaching church. That's not what the culture wants. I don't care what the culture, the culture don't know what it wants. The culture don't even know the history of anything in this this United States. Let's preach. People need to know what we're committed to. From the start, don't hold back. I'm going to tell you up front, you know, preachers get around me. I'm not going to be seeker-sensitive to preachers. I'm done with that. You understand? I'm, I'm not going to a church that doesn't want the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to waste my time. Let God deal with them. I'm not mad, but I'm not going to preachers, people called by God, to try to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. They'll, if they pray, seek the Lord, they're the men that we just got through talking about. If they would humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, be obedient to the Lord, God will show himself to them. Amen. But I'm going to preach the gospel. And we, in the gospel is, listen, this whole thing is for souls. It's all about leading people to the Lord. Now, in two or three months, we're going to be talking about discipleship. This is our plan, and I think we're doing it well. We became prayer conscious, and I thank God for all the people that signed up on the schedule. It is very humbling to me to see your name on that list every day, praying for this ministry. And then we have the opportunity and privilege to pray over you and any prayer requests that you send to us. And I'm telling you, it's been phenomenal. We are seeing things in this ministry right now that we never saw before. God is beginning to connect dots that I tried to connect in the flesh and couldn't do it. And all of a sudden, things are happening. Can I give you one story? We were in Tulsa. And uh, we didn't even know why we were going, but the Lord just gave us the okay, go. But it was uncomfortable. Whatever God's calling you to is probably going to be a little uncomfortable, not familiar, out of your area of comfortability. And so we're driving nine hours, not knowing where we're going, and everybody speaks Spanish. And I'm like, Susan and I just looking at each other like, we're trying to have fun. And we're trying to figure, you know, you just can't figure it all out. But you get to witness on the inside. The source of the power, the voice of the Lord is beginning to speak. And you just say yes. No details. And we just head in, put, head in that direction. So we headed in that direction. And uh, 
We got up there and I met this pastor in Costa Rica. Come to find out the host pastor of this whole conference, he's from Costa Rica. And then every preacher that came that had a part in the conference, they'd set you up to preach a Sunday morning service. And so now I'm preaching in the Costa Rica pastor's church. It's like, how does, how does, this, how does this even work? People are sitting around, I'm talking to this pastor, and you, I have to be careful what I mention because if I mention a country, he just calls up a pastor and tells me to pray for him, prophesy to him, and tell that pastor I'm going to come there one day. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just amazing. Anything on my heart, he calls somebody up, and there's somewhere where I'm thinking about going. Phenomenal. He looks at me and said, Brother, Brother Bush, I know this great, great man, great man, great man in Oaxaca, Mexico. You must meet. You must meet. Would you come to that conference with me? I'm like, what? <laughs> so I got two invitations to Mexico. And I'm thinking about Mike asked me to go to pay my ticket. I don't know if I can. You did. I don't know if I can. But anyway, I'm thinking, you know what? Oaxaca, I don't know anybody there. So he just calls the pastor up. Man of God, I have a man of God wants to talk to you. I didn't want to talk to him. He's FaceTiming him. Or he said, you need to talk to him. He said, Pastor Butch, pray for him. So I started praying. And, uh, you know, it's all good. I feel the spirit in it. I gave the phone back to him. And he starts calling this man. Y'all know all Spanish people look the same. Oh, Y'all yeah. know they all talk the same? Now, you know black people think all white people look the same, talk the same. We think, you know how we all just so, ah, ah, so confined in our minds. Don't be confined in your mind. Ah, I hate that. So anyway, I hear this guy's voice. Now, you know Mexico's a big place. There's seven billion people on the planet, okay? The guy, the pastor presses a button, this little Spanish pastor starts to talk. I'm praying for him and uh, prophesied over him. And then he starts calling the pastor Ignatius. I'm thinking, that's a strange name. And then we found out that his nickname is Nacho. I'm thinking, not, that's right, huh? And Nacho. And I'm saying, man, his voice sounds familiar. N nothing sounds familiar in Spanish to me. I get the phone and I look at the guy. No, no. I said, he looks familiar. Now, they all look alike. They all talk alike. But something in the spirit is showing me something different. He sounds familiar. He looks familiar. I, I said, Sue, not, who is Nacho? Susan said, ask him if his wife's name is Susie. And so, is your wife's name Susie? Yes. I, and then I said, Nacho, Nacho. I said, Nacho. I said, Nacho. I said, Pastor Butch. He said, Pastor Butch. We had a moment. He was just blitzed. I was blitzed. How does that happen? Years ago, 
when the Acapulco church was turned over to a local native pastor, we were asked to go down there because they were sending out the first ministry from that church. And I remember going, the little guy, it was his ordination. I prophesied over him. I laid hands on him. I'll never forget it. It was so powerful. And we sent him out. And then time goes by. Things happen. You know, we all get busy. And then some kind of way, God does this. Yes. That's what he's doing right now. He's putting us where we need to be. I'm talking in individually. He's putting us in the places and positions that we not need to be in. Miss Peggy, you still moving? I love you. We, we have another couple moving, leaders. And we've had people move away. And it's just like, I got with the Lord last week. I said, Lord, is it going to be like this? Really? Is this, is this the way it's going to be? You know what he said? Yeah. <laughs> and so what we're going to do, I mean, we're talking about evangelism right now, but we're talking about equipping and training people to send them out. And when people got to move because the Lord is calling them somewhere, we're going to put the best we know how. To, we're going to put what we need, what the Spirit of God wants to put in them, and we're just going to release them to go do something big for God. Amen. And I think if we always keep that attitude of just sending out, sending out, I don't own you. You're not even my sheep. I'm just an overseer. I just need to be a good steward, a good shepherd. But you're not my sheep. You're his sheep. And I'm going to treat you like his sheep. Amen. I'm going to treat you like he would treat you himself. I'm going to do my best by the grace of God that we can all get in the place that we need to be, that the Father would be pleased and that we would fulfill the word of God that's on our life. I'm almost finished. Sorry to get so emotional, but I'm an emotional person and I'm not ashamed of it. There'll always be a demand on you. This world system will always attack you. Just remember that. Count the costs. See, we get people saved, we start discipling. They need to know you're in war. Your soul is going to be fought for. It's not, we need to tell some people you're going to need the power of the Holy Ghost. Now listen, when people get saved, I don't do like a bunch of preachers do. As soon as somebody gets saved, they all lathered up in love, forgiveness. They feeling so good. And then some jerk walks up to them and said, the devil going to get you. I'm like, I want to slap those people. You know what I mean? I mean, the devil's had them for 40 years. And now Jesus got them. And you're going to come up here with your religious spirit and tell them, the devil going to get you. That's not what I'm saying. They need to know the wiles of the enemy and there will be attacks. They need to count the cost. Matter of fact, Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, 
There will be people that will hate you. And this is the list. Your mama, your daddy, your brothers, your sisters. You need to hate your own life. You need to hate all your possessions. Or you can't be my disciple. Deny yourself, take up your cross.